Welcome to the Maker Vision Podcast, a podcast where we help you take your ideas from a dream to reality. Each episode will cover topics to help you overcome frustrations we all encounter in our maker community. I'm Trevor Wanamaker, a part-time maker running MakerExperiment.com, and Martina Miller, who's a full-time maker running Naughty by Nature Designs. We've all encountered bumps and pitfalls along the road we call making, and we are using this podcast to help you avoid the same pitfalls. Welcome to the Maker Vision Podcast for episode 63, right? Yeah, well, that's what it says on my screen. Well, that's what we're going with. <laughs> Is the customer always right? So, we've gotten a lot of questions about this lately. We had some feedback, too, on Instagram. We had some interaction with our peers this week. I know. It's rare, kind of. I think I'm not as active with the account as I should be to have it pop up in people's feeds and whatnot we're all busy and running two accounts is very difficult Mm -hmm. i'm telling people i can barely run my one and so taking on two that's a lot for me i could see if your only focus was content creation because you're kind of more used to doing like a lot of digital stuff right and your project you planned out for the week you can cut up that project into these steps per day but if you have client builds and you have four going on at one time it's very difficult to do client builds and do all this other stuff that's how i feel this week i took on normally i like to do like one project at a time and this week i had a few due by friday i don't like that that's due by a friday due by friday so like multiple with the same deadline mm-hmm. i'm not into that i just feel like it felt more chaotic than I liked, and then it felt like I couldn't get as much done as quickly as I wanted, and then I was on a time, like, oh, this thing's finishing, I can't sand this thing now, like, at least I can clean the blend organize while I'm waiting for the polo to dry, so I'm just, I don't know how people do it, I don't know if it's because they have bigger space, or they're used to it, or they kind of synchronize everything so it's at the same page, like, everything will get sanded at once, everything will get finished at once. But that'd be very difficult to get everything ready at the same time to the same stage. I know a lot of people can batch out, but I guess that's when it's the same item. And these were all different things I was doing. If you're doing the same item, it's definitely more doable. If you're doing five different things that have five different glue up times or five different, I don't know, maybe one needs epoxy and one doesn't. or Mm -hmm. It's almost impossible to get them to line up to all be ready at the same time unless you purposely stop working on one and let the other ones catch up yeah it was nice some days it was nice because i was like oh i get to end my day at 3 p.m because something's drying and the next day i was like it is six o'clock and i'm still working which i like to end my day by five at the latest so you work a normal nine to five i do i feel like i you know i'm self-employed i get to decide that for myself but i don't blame you yeah I, i think otherwise if that's all I do all the time. It's like that all work and no play would make you go crazy. Out. Yeah. So I tried because and then I work from home. So it's real easy. Let me go do this out, out there real quick. Let me go do this step, even though it's late at night. So I just try to to be able to step away from it at a certain time. Well, yesterday I worked nine to five. And then after work, I went to the leather store that we have mm-hmm. here to ask them how to clean laser cut leather and they said, well, we're not sure that the leather cleaner would work, so try using a magic eraser first. Did that work? It looks like it cleaned it off. I left them overnight to see how they dried and if they changed the color of the leather or anything, or, you know, discolored it or had some weird effect. Mm-hmm. But what I did do is I actually took the magic eraser over the whole thing so that if oh, it does something, case. it at least does it to the whole thing. And this is the first time I've, it's not the first time I've laser cut leather, but it's the first time that I've laser cut leather with the intent of making like a wallet. Yeah. 
So you want it to look clean and finished versus where it doesn't matter where it's Yeah, clean. like the other project was a sign, like a leather sign with Ethan, so it can kind of look rustic and burnt and it could look like that style. Mm -hmm. This, you can't really do that. Did he not know how to clean leather? He's going to try a few things too. Got it. He wasn't sure how it would go either. And there were different types of leather. One had a really, I guess, sheen to it, mm -hmm. which was the one I cut yesterday, or the other day. And the kind that he had that I was using was more of a fibrous feel, so it kind of soaked in more. So I'm, it was harder to clean, I think. I didn't try a magic eraser on it, though. I don't know how to clean it. Like, I have no tips or tricks. I was just curious. I don't... I. I asked laser forums, and I got 15 different answers, <laughs> and I've even that. tried like four or five different ways with masking it, not masking it, trying different maskings, but sometimes the maskings leave like a tapey residue, mm -hmm. which makes it worse. Because so then you have to clean that off anyways. Then you're battling that. So I cut it upside down so that the inside of the wallet would get the most of the scorch, and it did better. But it still left some marks on the other side. There, sorry, there's so many people walking outside my house right now. I wonder what like, you're staring at. Well, one I thought fell because he was there for so long. But, you know, squirrel moments. It's normally not this active out there. So I'm like, what's happening? I guess that's a bonus. I can't actually see out my window because I have the blinds closed. <laughs> that's probably terrible for me. Well, there's like a curtain panel up. So it's really blurry. So I can't tell. But it almost looks like the same person keeps walking by like in a loop because it's the same color shirts that it looks like through the curtain. You know what I mean? It's just like a sheer panel. Maybe they're speed walking. <laughs> Or case well, in your I'm, house. Don't. You know that's going to get me all worked up. I'm just so. <laughs> I've had people walk by randomly. And then I'll see them walk by the other way randomly. And then they'll go back again. Like, are you just... like, they want my laser. I'm hoping nobody knows that I have that here. That's why I try... Well, half my stuff is on the side of the garage now that doesn't open because I still need to replace my garage door opener. So all the expensive stuff, you can't really tell. And the cl clutter is on the side that actually opens up to the street. But my truck is usually parked in front of the garage door anyway, so you can't really see in unless you were to walk up to the garage door. I rarely open my garage door anymore. I bet, Why? You had all temperature controlled in there now. Why would you ruin that? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I don't, I'm only going to open it to be able to cut down like large sheets of stuff mm -hmm. or if I'm bringing stuff in and out. Yeah. And if it's small stuff, I just go into the house and bring it in the other way so I don't have to open the garage door. Like last night, i you'll be proud of me. I bought a heat gun. I don't have a heat gun. Oh, you don't? No. <laughs> I thought for sure you did. No, I would like one. There's been a few times where I'm like, man, it would really come in handy to have one of those right now. So there's a couple of reasons I bought it. And the uh, I had a Home Depot credit from when I returned flooring stuff mm -hmm. and there's a couple of things I need to use it on like I need to replace the exterior door and my thought going into this was if I buy the exterior door that's something I have to do for the house anyway so I'll just save up the money because mm -hmm. this is more like I feel like I have a Christmas gift because it's go. money I spent years ago mm -hmm. and I've, it came out of nowhere like, maybe I should buy things that I want to get that I haven't had the money for. And the last time I did epoxy, I tried to use my butane torch, and that failed. So that's pretty tricky using the torch because you, if you hold it too long, you start to cure the top of the mm -hmm. epoxy. Like, you have to do it real... This is a little tip for everyone that's listening. You have to do it real quick to pop the bubbles and not hold it in the same spot for too long. Like, you have to just do it, like, breeze past it. Yeah. Well, and it also had, uh, if I was close enough to pop the bubbles at the time, like, I think something was wrong with either the butane bottle or the propane bottle or whatever, mm -hmm. or the trigger, the outlet, because it would be set to a pretty mild setting, and then all of a sudden, it would let out more gas than it needed. Oh, I wonder if it was just, like, because the way positional type thing... I was hold. I mean, I was holding it at the same angle, and then hmm. all of a sudden, more would let out. 
So then it would actually try to catch the epoxy on fire. <laughs> I haven't had that happen. That's pretty impressive. Or And it wouldn't pop the bubbles. And then it would, because it had so much coming out at one time, it was trying to blow the epoxy out of the area that mm, I was mm-hmm. trying to let it settle. Well, that and yours was super shallow compared to when I pour and it's like a quarter inch at a time. Yeah. this The next time I'm going to engrave it probably three or four times to get it deeper. Because I don't have a CNC. So I'm Not yet. making do with what I have. And For everyone listening, I'm trying to talk him into getting a CNC. By the end of the year, it's going to happen. I, I don't count on that. I do. Because I need an editing computer. Cause mine oh, is that's true too. Taking a turn for the worst. And the other reason... So it was epoxy. And the other one was I want to try to heat bend acrylic. Oh. Trying new things. Were you inspired by last week? You said inspired by last inspired week? Inspired by last week, then trying new things. Well, yeah. <laughs> I'm trying to think of YouTube projects and things I can do on the laser, but incorporate with other tools or processes in the garage to show that lasers are more versatile than just engraving a trophy. You need to get an epilogue affiliate. Maybe you'll get all these people to jump on the laser bandwagon and Epilogue can set you a little ki- send you a little kickback. So if I recommend somebody to their salesperson, the, like the guy that I'm in contact with, mm-hmm. and that customer actually purchases one, they did say that they would give me a kickback for a new referral. But the chances of somebody buying a machine is pretty slim. Yeah, it's not, not a cheap investment. I think long term, if I can get if I can be one of these people with, you know, 100,000 subscribers on YouTube, maybe that's possible. But goals. <laughs> right now, I'm just trying to hit 1,000. So everyone go subscribe to his YouTube channel so he can feel better about himself. Because mm-hmm. that's all exactly. it is. <laughs> it's all about my ego. No, I'm just kidding. For real, though, like, I'm just trying to put out videos that I, of things I've wanted to try. Mm-hmm. and I can't really do them as client builds because I've never done them before. I wouldn't feel comfortable charging somebody money for something I've never done. That's nothing related to anything I've done before. That's, I think, gets tricky because do you just say no, or do you say, yes, I'll do it, give me extra time because I haven't done it before and we can go from there. Do you charge them up front? You know what I mean? That's, do you just give them a discount? So if I ever do it, I typically give them a discount with a disclaimer that it may or may not work. I feel like you have to be able to say yes because you have to be able to learn new things and... Oh no, I totally agree. Yeah. So if it's sign related and it's like a different style that I've never done before, I'm totally okay with that. But in this case, so I wanted to try to make a laser cut wallet. Mm-hmm. The chances of me having somebody come to me and say, hey, will you make me a wallet? Is like slim to none because I've never made one before. They never would have seen me make one before. So I, I don't think they'd ever come to me. They'd go to a leather worker. Right. But someone may have a wallet now and want like an inscription or it branded and now... That because I can they, do. Yeah, because now they've seen that you have leather products that are in your your portfolio. That's a different market, too. And that's... The plan is to do a few projects, see what I like, see what people respond to. And if people want me to start engraving wallets, I mean, I'm okay with that. And that can... Maybe in the long term, there can be a leather section to the business that's you know engraving leather goods or cutting templates or whatever when the boys graduated high school that's what we got each of them so they got a wallet a leather wallet and it had an inscription in it that was lasered and then with their initials on the front and they each got one with different inscriptions but so i wonder like graduation time or you know what i mean like kind of milestoney times of the year what that would be like a good thing for you to market because i think so like tricky oh sorry go i ahead. was just gonna say like a nice leather wallet will last forever 
So to yeah. have something like just a monogram or something like that to make it even more timeless would be really cool. I agree. It's one of those things where I wanted to try to make my own because if mine ever like falls apart, mm-hmm. I think it'd be cool to make one that has that's black it, and it would have blue thread. Because no way. Obvious, obviously. And it would have my logo blue. on it. Hmm? It's not just blue. It's cyan blue. <laughs> of course it is. But that's the project I want to do. This first one's just kind of a test to learn how to like hand sew it because I don't know. Mm-hmm. I had I think I have all the stuff to make it as far as like leather glue and the thread and the needles and the it's like a wax or something you put on the edge oh, to yeah. kind of seal it i know that because so i, I watch Ethan, ethan's videos so ethan's <laughs> actually the reason i wanted to do these projects dude i'm telling you his videos are the best quality's good the content's good i like the outcome of the products he was on a few episodes ago go check that one out if you haven't ethan carter designs so go check out ethan go follow him that's that's my blurb for the day we want our kickback now ethan yeah, exactly. <laughs> but I also want to, so I can laser cut the shape of the leather, but I'm also thinking about making like an acrylic template that people without lasers could use and actually use like an X-Acto knife with instead of needing like a die punch. I mean, there's, there's things out there on Amazon that you can buy that are like that, but... I was going to make some out of quarter-inch acrylic to make them beefier. Or eighth-inch acrylic. Because some of the ones I see are like a sixteenth. So, Can you get acrylic that thin? You can, of certain styles. Can you do it in clear? Like it's just clear? I haven't looked. So, we can, talk, we can talk about that in the after show. I have a project idea. Okay. We might collaborate. Woo! Odd. We've we've been doing this for like a year and we've never collaborated. Yeah, my hair. <laughs> Ran my hand through my hair and it's like sticking up like a mohawk. The actually last night I got my acrylic so Frank, my friend that lives here, for the love of Grace, he actually picked up my acrylic for me because they close at like five PM every day of the week and they're not open Saturday or Sunday, so I can never get there. Mm-hmm. And he picked up the quarter-inch acrylic for me so that I can do my shop sign, finally. Nice. So I have my melamine, I have my standoffs, and I have my acrylic. Make it happen, finally. Also a YouTube video. <laughs> I think we're caught up. I've heard people really like this new intro of what are, what are we making and what are we working on. Answer, I'm working on a bunch of random stuff. Yeah. So... I think my project I'm working on right now leads us into the topic of is the customer always right? And we don't mean it as like what they say goes. It's more of like design choices and will this look good together? Will this work? And is this going to function? This isn't like a customer bashing episode. Yeah, we want to definitely preface it with this is not like the Walmart shopper complaining episode. It's how you gently guide them into a good decision that's going to make going to make their product look good and make you want to keep your brand intact and actually advertise that you made this product. Because I'm pretty sure we all take on those products, projects that we're ashamed to post because it's poor, like poor design, weird. I have one aesthetics. Now. Oh, what are you making? Uh, a client wants a wooden cross with, like, the silhouette engraved on it. Uh-huh. I won't be posting that one, most likely. Hmm. They want it made out of walnut. Oh, that's wood. I know. I know. <laughs> I'm taking... Well, I gave her a quote. I actually worked with my friend Ken and said, it's been a while since I priced out walnut. What's it like? You just priced $13 it out, like, $13 a board foot for you? Oh, God, it's ridiculous. It's, yeah, about that. 
and I asked him what he would charge to do this, and I showed him the picture of what the lady wanted, and he told me a price range, and I shot her, like, the high mm-hmm. side of that range, and she's like, okay, I want to. Right on. Like, okay. This, it sometimes it blows my mind when you're like, oh man, this is pretty pricey for like something simple. They're not going to say yeah. yes to it. And then when they agree to it, it's like, oh, like a little weight lifted off your shoulders. But it's I think cr- she understands that it's hardwood and it's expensive. So I had that moment this week working where it was like, I felt like I was overcharging for certain things. And, like, it almost made me feel like I was a little bit greedy with my prices. Like, mm-hmm. I'm I'm charging so-and-so such-and-such because I know they're going to pay for it. And then, like, going back and looking at all my steps of what I did, I was like, man, I still undercharged, like, the amount of stuff and just, like, the quality and the attention to detail. Not that I'm being, like, super braggy. Like, just the, I feel like the attention to detail because it's not mass-produced type thing is just crazy. So I feel like it's like, man, I probably could have charged way more and essentially I'm making like $4 an hour because I'm doing more work than what I quoted. You know what I mean? But it's like, I don't want to turn over a crappy product. Like I want that person to be happy with what they get and like tell their friends and have their friends come purchase from me, you know? Sometimes you do that. So like that's... that's a whole pricing thing i guess that's figuring out know your worth type thing even just that charcuterie board i was like man this is taking me longer than it should take me but then in the outcome i was like like i want this for myself like this is i feel like it was too nice to turn over to someone else that was my private stash of walnut so i'm very sad to see it go i may use my private stash of walnut for this project it's probably easier for you since it's hard for you to get to the hardwood store so that's my biggest issue. Why is there not a store that's open for people that work full time? Because they don't understand that there's jobs. hobbyists that are into this, apparently. There's only one. Actually, the hardwood store is open from, set, or from I think, 7 to 11 on Saturdays. That's super weird hours. But other than that, the acrylic places are all closed after 5 during the week. I know 4. One of them closes at 4, one of them closes at 5, and they're not open on Saturday or Sunday. And they're, like, the only acrylic suppliers I know of in town. And one of them is, like, double the price of the other. Jeez. But one of them you can buy scraps and, like, offcuts and stuff, and one you can't. So the more expensive one you can buy the offcuts, the other one you can't buy the offcuts. It's strange. But it makes it very difficult for people that work nine to or eight to five like me to get any materials or supplies i've been trying to get this acrylic for two weeks (laughs) thankfully i have friends that are working as makers full-time that are able to pick stuff up that's a blessing and a curse the flexible schedule like that yeah well thankfully i'm just like hey if you're if you happen to be over there you're going to that place could you get me this when you're there i get a lot and i get all the like that helps you make your own hours can you go do this and it's like it's at 12 o'clock on a wednesday like it's the middle of my day like i don't want to drop everything and when you're covered in sawdust it's not easy to drop everything and go do an errand Mm. i would not expect somebody to drop everything and do it for me i usually just say whenever you go there again because i know they go there often like please get this for me and I'll pay you. My customer always write is kind of interesting because the wine cabinet I'm making, I was subcontracted to make. So whose Mm -hmm. house it's going into, I haven't met. The GC of their project or the project manager, whatever you want to call him, um, is a friend of mine and asked if I would make it. So he gave me all the specs and I gave him stain samples to take to them. They wanted it pine because they wanted it stained which has been super difficult for me to work with because it's so soft. Like, I've gotten spoiled by working with hardwoods and, like, I haven't had to use um, regular water-based poly all year. 
I've only been using Armor Seal from General Finishes, so I had to read the directions for that one too, which was pretty entertaining this this week. I had to remember to look it up to see if I had to sand between coats. But anyway, so I sent sent him the stain options. They wanted something gray. I gave him like the weathered gray, carbon gray, and a couple other ones from Verithane. And then, okay. so they said just for a gray wash, they decided they wanted carbon gray. Very weird. That's pretty dark. I don't really know what that it's looks like. It's almost so. black. It's like very charcoal. So oh. I was like, okay, that's pretty dark. And there's going to be mounted wine racks in the back of the cabinet. And then their bottles will be displayed horizontally. So now you won't be able to see the bottles either because they're going to blend in to the background. I didn't like that. I can't decide. I can't talk to these clients anyways. I'm just getting told what to do. A couple days yeah. later, so Monday I was getting ready to stain it, and my buddy texted me, and he was like, they want a barrel-colored background now, and the sides of it carbon gray. So I was like, like, wine barrel? He's like, yeah. I was like, I'm not into this either. Like, so kind of like a oaky color for the back, and then carbon for the sides. I was like, one, this is very difficult to not have stain bleed over when it's pine, and everything's already assembled. But those contrasting colors would look like garbage. Yeah. So figuring out how to communicate that, especially communicating it with one person to ha- that has to go communicate it to somebody else is difficult. So... One... Oh, go sorry. ahead. One thing that I've found, especially with colors is I, I think I have an advantage to a point where since I have to digitally mock up for signs, mm-hmm. I have to digitally mock up the sign in order to cut it anyway. It takes maybe five more minutes to add the colors. Right. And if I'm using spray paint and I'm looking at Home Depot and they say, typically they just say, I want a gray. There's like 50 shades. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and no, that's not a reference to the movie. <laughs> I didn't even think about that until after I said 50. The not sponsored. <clears throat> no, definitely not. So I will look on Home Depot or wherever, search for the paint that I normally use, and pick out colors that I think would look good together. Right. And most of them have the RGB code in the description. So you can kind of mock it up on the computer Mm -hmm. and get pretty close. And then once that goes through, I'll send them a picture and say, this is what it would look like with this color spray paint. And, you know, this is the final image. I've had people come back and say, that doesn't look right. I like this gray better or this blue better green or whatever. Mm -hmm. And uh, I ask them which one they want. They tell me I'll plug it in to the design software I will put them side by side with the one that I chose (laughs) and then I'll send it to them and say this is the one you chose this is the one I chose and then they'll look at it and I would say so far 100% of the time they usually think the color that they chose doesn't look as good as whatever I did the first time I've had and it's because I'm trying to pick like they usually pick something really dark Mm -hmm. or something. Yeah. It's usually really dark. Like if it's green, they'll choose like an evergreen green, which is kind of almost blackish. I really like how much you know your color palette. It's weird, right? And I'll usually choose the lighter side of things because spray paints usually end up darker than what you think they're going to be. So whatever shade I'm picking on the screen, it's still going to be slightly darker than that when it dries and so far every time the customer has said okay yeah that's i think that's definitely i'll go with the one you did a solid way of getting them on the same page with you like the side-by-side comparison or it's difficult if you're not able to do that 3d or digital mock-up though what i did was i had I have a can of weather wash. I've had it forever and I've never found a project to use it on, but I went on their feed and started to see what that color would look like on a project. And I sent a screenshot of that. And I said, what about this instead? And 
to my buddy and he's like, yeah, they like that. So I was like, let me make a sample board because it's like on the exact wood that I'm going to use and see how it turns out, which it turned out pretty cool. They agreed to that for the whole piece. It's definitely different product to work with, by the way, because it's like it's basically tinted water. So it was very messy. And there's just like pools of it all over my workbench yesterday as I applied it. The underside of the top like got a bunch of splatter so it looks like splatter now i have to sand that down and recoat it mm-hmm. but other than that like it went on well and now it's like i feel like the best of both worlds for them because it has the grays in it and it has like the oaky browns in it that's cool so we'll see what it, now it's a lot lighter and then the wine racks on it will be black and you'll actually be able to see all the wine bottles there have been a few clients which do you, do you consider your friends that you hang out with clients or just people that give you sub work occasionally? I don't know. Like, like how, how do you classify? I wouldn't call them a client. I guess it depends on what you're doing for friends, them. But, so me, it's laser engraving or cutting, and that's about it. I don't actually finish the project. You're doing work for them, so it's... I guess I'm a subcontractor for them. Yeah. To a well, if you're talking for Ken, yeah. I, would feel, I feel like you're a subcontractor yeah. versus him being a client. Like he's subbing you out. Yeah. yeah. So he has things to engrave that I've engraved uh, last week and the week before or whatever. The thing with that kind of stuff where you're engraving is if somebody's bringing you a new material that you aren't familiar mm-hmm. with or even a material you are, laser engraving is so... How do I want to put this? I guess up to the customer on the look that they want. Some people like a really dark, almost black engraving. Mm -hmm. I do not. Some people like the the engraving that's lighter and it's just of contrast to pop without making it look like you painted it black. And to me, like, the lighter engraving, you can't really duplicate that that well with paint or anything. And that's why I like it better. Because it still gives you a lot of contrast, but it's also fast. Mm -hmm. And I've had people where I'll engrave it, and they're like, yeah, I don't like that. And then I'm like, okay, well, I run it again, and it's, it's like parts of it are almost burned Mm -hmm. because it hits the wood grain a certain way and then it kind of flares they're like i love that okay (laughs) like if that's what you want at least it's like you can go darker you know what i mean it's when they decide like oh i liked it lighter before Mm -hmm. you're like i can't undo what i just did for you thankfully i haven't had people do that it's like staining but i do preface before i engrave it again i say just so you know you can't go yeah, backwards. It's like staining something and then not liking it. It's like, I have, it's such a pain in the butt to remove all of this. Like, what do you mean? Well, typically, the people that have wanted stuff darker is when I'm engraving plywood. Like, Baltic birch plywood. You can only go, I mean. Like, you can't really plane this down. Yeah. Like, you might, you can sand it, but it would take forever. Yeah. Just so you know, it's going to be darker. <laughs> Some people, I've had people actually from the whole the whole range right i've had people say you know best you've been doing this i trust your judgment mm-hmm. and then i've had people that try to nitpick every single thing where they even try to tell me what acrylic supplier to use <laughs> that's too much and i'm like well they're like, well i want this one from ebay I'm like you can't control the quality of that mm-hmm you don't know if it's a cast or extruded acrylic, which to me is a very important thing to know. And you don't you don't know the lead time. It could be two weeks. It could be four months. Like, if it's coming from China, who knows? Right. And the, on top of that, you don't know if the acrylic is going to break in transit. Like, you're better off using a supplier that I already use. Because if it breaks during transit, they will send out a new piece. And it's usually a week to get it or less. Like, you don't want to use some random piece off of eBay. 
Not to mention, you can't control what the, that the color actually matches whatever they posted in the listing. Right. I did like those little memes and stuff like expectation versus reality like yeah that and it comes in it's like a little two inch by two inch square of acrylic versus like a two foot by two foot so like that would yeah, be your luck after that those, it reminds me of those people that post like the clothing <laughs> expectation versus reality of something they bought off ebay yeah. where it's a dress and they expect it to be this full length thing and it ends up being something that'll fit a doll <laughs> that's what it reminds me of but I, I can usually talk them into letting me go to the suppliers that I know and I'm comfortable with. Not to mention I'm building, you know, a rapport with that company because I'm ordering from them. Right. Do you ever... Some people are just way too controlling over things. Do you ever say no to projects because you just think it's like ugly and stupid for lack of better words? I've never done it for being ugly and stupid. I've done it. I've said no for something that goes against my feelings or beliefs on things. Uh, yeah, we've talked about Not that to before. say like, so it's a tricky thing, right? And I'm not talking like, I don't even know how to say this politically correct, so I'm not probably going to say it. For me personally, I'm not really into firearms, mm-hmm. which you aren't either. I think we've talked about that yeah. before. And I've had people say, well, would you take my gun and engrave it? And I say, well, honestly, I don't feel comfortable with that. For one, I don't want to handle somebody else's firearm. Uh, it's not that I don't like trust people like if my fingerprints were on it or something. Right. Now like, they're go- I don't yeah. think it's going to be an issue. But it's more like... I, I just don't feel comfortable having them in my house. And my wife is very against them anyway. Right. So even getting like her to agree for me to even engrave it, if I wanted to, I wouldn't want... I just don't want it in my house. I don't want to... And I'm not, like, I'm not saying people can't own guns. I'm just saying I personally don't want to engrave them. Yeah. Or, or create concealment furniture for them. It's just something I'm not into. And there's, I mean, it's a very tricky conversation. And I I mean, it's one of those things like you don't want people to start like bashing you for feeling a certain way about something. It definitely, that I I think is tricky too. Like how to ease into a difficult conversation basically is what it is. And then doing yeah. it tactfully to where you're not insulting and to where you can end on good terms. And it's like, hey, like this is not something I can stand behind, but for anything else not related to this, like you can still reach out to me in the future is a yeah. difficult. Well, I had somebody reach out and that's why this one came up. They wanted to bring their, I think their handgun over and do it. And I just told them like, honestly, like I'd. It's it's not that it can't be done. It's just something I don't feel comfortable doing. Right. And they said that's okay. Yeah. They're like no big deal. That went better than it. Yeah. That's always nice when that happens. I get people that are very defensive, and will almost like fight me over it. Like I'm not trying to fight over it. Like I just don't feel comfortable doing it. There's 500 more people out there that'll do it. For yeah. Me. That's when I've like having someone else you can recommend is always nice. So being able to meet other makers in your community and know what Mm -hmm. they're capable of doing. So that way, like, Hey, this is so-and-so like, that's kind of like, they'll be more comfortable doing it than I am is always a good option. Um, I, I'm definitely on the same page with you. So if I would say that don't compromise your own feelings or beliefs just to get a sale. Yeah. Cause I mean, just because, just because they want it doesn't mean it needs to be done. And it doesn't mean it needs to be done by you. Mm-hmm. Well, and the other thing is, there's there's other laser machines that are better at doing that kind of stuff because it's metal. Mm-hmm. And not only that, some people, I don't know what it is, but I've had clients come to me and say, I want you to make this. And... Then they say, I want you to post it when you're done. Like, it, they, you don't get to dictate right. what I post. 
and I, I'll, I'll post what I want to post. Exactly. And I've had people want me to engrave that stuff and then post it. I'm like, I don't want to be doing that, so it's not something I, I post. I haven't had that. Yeah, but isn't that weird? That's pretty weird, because like, it's like, why don't you post it? You could tag me if you feel like I need the credit, but I don't need to put it. Well, it's because, so the thing that I found is I've had people say, I want you to post this so I can start drawing more traffic to my business. Uh, like, that's not how this works. Like, you don't, you don't get to come to me asking for a product that I make consistently and automatically expect me to post it. I'm like, would I make it as a sign and probably post portions of it? Most likely, because that's how I get the content mm-hmm. I do. But you don't get to demand I, that I post your like, stuff. I immediately start to shut down when someone like tells me what to do. That, me too. Where I just want to become like a rebellious teenager and like, you can't tell mm-hmm. me what to do. I'm not going to do that. Now I just won't do anything for you. That's one where I... I've had people want things or want me to post things or, you know, have asked politely or have said, you know, would you post this when you're done with it? I'm like, maybe. It could be or it could not be. It kind of just depends on when things align with what i'm doing and they say okay but i've had a few demand that i post it when it's done or they won't come to me say well then don't come to me (laughs) i just i think i'm getting to the point where it's okay to say no to money if it's not something you like i i find myself having a hard time if i take on something a project that I don't want to do because I think mm-hmm. it's a bad design or like their color choice is poor or anything like that. I find because then it just really gets pushed to the back burner and I don't give it my all. And it's then you're not happy with the product you're turning over and you don't want your brand behind that. So it's I'm starting to learn that it's okay to just not take on those projects. I'm, I'm okay with yeah, that. Yeah. Like I get and it's hard because it's money, but it's like if it's like, tearing away at you and you're not happy doing it like what's the point of doing it i've never had it i don't think i've ever had one where it was so bad of a design choice that i couldn't do it or didn't want to do it i've had them where they come to me originally and say this is what i want and then they'll give me some color scheme and then i just say are you sure you really want that because this is what it looks like and then i post the colors like side by side Mm -hmm. and then they go oh yeah probably (laughs) not okay and then you've get you've got people i've had people come to me and say i don't have anything in mind i'm like okay well that requires some design time right and some people are okay with that. Some people aren't. Like, well, you're coming to somebody with nothing, no design, no files, no idea. And you give me, I had one, so the butterfly one I mm-hmm. did, where it was, they sent me the logo and said, this is our logo. They love butterflies. This is a gift. Can you design something that looks cool based off these two? That one I'm okay with. Right. I've had some come to me, no logo, no ideas, nothing. And then after talking to them for an hour, they're like, this is not a real example. But they would come up with something like, oh, um, apples and purple. What? (laughs) Like, that makes no sense. Then they'll say, well, this is what I want. And I've had people, I'll mock up a design based on what I interpreted our conversation to be. And then as soon as they see it, they say, that's not what I want. Well, you also came to me with that's nothing. That's so weird so, to me, though, like, when that happens, where it's like, were we not just in the same conversation? Mm-hmm. How did I pull something completely different out of it than what you think happened? Well, and they usually end it with, but I trust your judgment 
as a designer. And then as soon as you design something, they say, that's not what I want. So you're, it's a struggle because you designed according to how you interpret the conversation. They have this image in their mind for the design, either color scheme or style or shape, but they can't seem to communicate it very mm-hmm. well. Like I'm waiting for the day that technology catches up and you can just put this thing on your temple and then it's going to project the image of what your brain sees because that's what we need for working with clients, I think. Yeah, this one I have right now, she was so hands-on with the project I just made for her that I was like, man, I don't know that I can work with this person again. This is just not my style. Even communicating verbally, it was... Like, you're not understanding what I'm saying, and I don't know how to say it any clearer. Like, you're not, like, you're taking what I'm saying overly serious, and that's like, this is the best example I can give you, but it's not 100% like that, if that makes sense. Like, Mm. like the, okay, this, hey, I just oiled your charcuterie board. It's going to feel like it has a little residue okay, well, can I put it in a box? And I said, yeah, but you might have some spots that look like a bottom of the pizza box. Like, not that bad, but just where it leaves, like an oil transfer. Okay, so don't put it in a box. Okay, that's not what I said. I just want you to understand. (laughs) I just want you to know what to expect. So if you're putting it in there now, and they're going to get it four days from now, like, it's going to, the box might look really nasty by then. You know what I mean? Like, so basically what you're saying is wait to put it in the box until right before you give it to so, them. Like this is, this is the best example I could think of for someone that doesn't do this every day to understand. And then so just like that's, you know, just a little bit of an example of like we, we don't communicate well together. So I was like, I don't think I'm going to be able to work with this person again. And then you get to the point where it's like, but it's, easy good money to take on this other project that they want and so i'm like oh i think i'm gonna do this that or this for this next one is that okay i don't care what you do with that one i'm like really because you practically just made this item yourself because you didn't trust me so is it that i did such a good job or does this one not mean as much i don't i don't know you know what i mean so that's tricky i'm gonna go with you did such a good job because this one it was like no you have to use this type of wood you have to do this it the layout has to look like this and the next one i was like well like for this charcuterie board i did the engraving down at the bottom and i didn't fill it with epoxy because that wasn't the look they wanted and i found that when i put the oil on it like it left like build up in the engraving and so it looked it dried really white and cakey so I had to go in with the freaking toothpick and scrape it out of there because it looked gross and then I was like okay so for the next one I'd really like to put epoxy in it because I want it to be leveled I don't care but that wasn't okay for this one like (laughs) so yeah that's tricky so I don't know I don't know how other people make they're like when they do engraved boards so if anyone wants to message me do you just not go as deep so that doesn't happen a wider font or do you just sit there with your toothpick and clean out the wax and it's no big deal like i feel like an epoxy would just be way easier and leveling it to the surface of the board so forever well and then you have to compete with food safe epoxy i have messaged total boat and they said as long as you put a food safe sealer over it which is walrus oil then you're fine so, um, but so for anyone that's listening, or I could just, you know, have someone laser engrave it and then I don't have to worry. That's, I mean, so that's, that is one thing I like about the laser at times is you can get it to not go deep at all and just kind of mark it. So it doesn't really have a big level change. I feel like if you engrave a board, like a cutting board, and then you cut too much, like, are you going to lose that engraving that's not epoxy filled? Like, is it going to just tear it? I don't know. I guess I should do it for one of my boards and see what happens, like, over time. If you don't do it shallow enough, I feel like it's just going to look like knife marks. If you... Or not shallow. If you don't do it deep enough. If you do it yeah, too shallow. Deep enough. I don't know. I do know that you, if you have it with, like, a V-cut mm-hmm. bit and you leave it not unfilled you're gonna start collecting like juices and stuff from whatever you're cutting that's how i feel like it's gonna unless you have it like strictly for i think that's there's ones just like a 
like an actual cheese board. Like we're gonna put some food okay, out. So that wouldn't be yeah. bad. But I have because otherwise, because trying to get even even if you poured walrus oil like into the grooves themselves, and then like flipped it over to dump out the excess or something, I don't know how well it's coating because you can't really get like a. Uh, cloth in there or no i tried really using well. a paper towel to wipe it out and that just like made it so much worse and then there was like fibers yeah. everywhere exactly so then i was sitting there with my little toothpick yesterday which actually fit perfectly in there so that wasn't bad but well you have a cnc why don't you do uh, a test for, wooden I gotta try it out. whoa how fancy do you think i am learn <laughs> Uh, that's one thing I've always wanted to try to do is make a cutting board and do some type of I think engraving. Matt and Plumley then just do a did wood that inlay. recently with one. Yeah, that wood, I mean, wood chop or whatever. It's obviously doable because people have made businesses out right, of it. Right, but so. that guy's full time job is literally just doing CNC projects. So, Well, that's why I think if you learn your CNC better, you not only would be way more comfortable doing CNC projects, but you'd open a whole I used it new ability. Twice this week for projects. Oh, no, I did the letters last week for the puzzle. So I feel like it's, or I'm not, this whole clamping board, waste board system thing, I should have done it so long ago. Like that's a game changer. It's so, I want better clamps mm. for it. I'm not a fan of the clamps that I have now for it. Like I need to get like hold, like better hold down clamps rather than the ones that butt up against it. But it's been so much easier, and they have the touch probe for it, and that also makes a huge difference. So just all the upgrades that I'm doing to it are well worth it. Worth it. So the wasteboard, the touch probe, and then having a dust boot on it. So you also have to account for all that stuff when you buy your machine. If I get one, I've been leaning towards... the. Well, there's a few. I've been leaning towards Axiom, Cam Master... And shop saver. Aren't all the axioms four by eights? No. Okay. No, actually, none of them are four by eights. They only go up to four by four. Really? Yeah. Hmm. So they have like a two by four, which is the one I was looking at, because it's about the same size as my. Is that laser. what Chris has? Is it the two by four? I think so. I'm gonna message him. But the reason I'm looking at those is because if I'm going to get one. I want it to be able to machine aluminum and brass because I want to try to do some cool YouTube projects and other things that I've never done before. Mm -hmm. And I think it would be cool to try and make. So one thing I want to make is a, and maybe I'll collaborate with Chris on this one, is I want to make a stamp with my logo that's maybe, I don't know, an inch in diameter. Mm -hmm. Like a rubber stamp? And I will actually want to make it to use as a wax seal because I think it'd be oh. really cool to like do like special letters or stuff or special like magnets. Mm -hmm. um, and then when I go to seal the envelope, wax seal it with my logo. That's cool. I think that'd be a really cool thing to try. So that's one project I'd want to do. And you, can, I don't know that the hobbyist versions of CNCs can handle the stress without like flexing because it's trying to push through metal. Yeah. I mean, I know it's possible, but I don't know repeatedly how much it can handle. Well, Jacob just made his CNC and that's for, he's doing more metal and aluminum on it. So yeah, he'd also be one to talk to. I've talked to him a little bit about it. I forget. The, the only thing, the only downside to things like that is it takes so much time to build it and tweak it and get it right. And I, at this point, just too accustomed to like pull it off the crate and you're done and you can start it right up. <laughs> so I don't know. We'll see. But either way, it's not going to happen this year. So, well, I need to pay off my current machine first. <laughs> That's a vehicle. You have another five years on that bad boy. It is a vehicle. Three years and then two months. I think my truck will be paid off before your laser. Probably. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie. It's it's it, it. I knew that going in. Right. Though, that I was basically buying a car, but I bought it instead of buying a car. So, but now 
it's, it's interesting because Ken, Ken was talking to me about the engraving speed and he was going to use Mariano's machine and Mariano's, it was taking like 25 minutes to do the engraving and on mine, it was taking like seven to eight minutes. So that's kind of, you know, I, I'm glad that I bought the one For I sure. did and people can judge me all they want. I don't care. Haters going to hate. That is very true. But, you know, like normal, we talked about a whole bunch of stuff. I think we talked a a good amount about customer. I think giving them a couple options to kind of gear them towards what you think will look better, being tactful, and then knowing when to step away. Like if you don't like the design choice or they're, yeah. so that's our, I mean, that's just our opinions though. If everyone, if other people have more opinions i got a couple of feed a little bit of feedback they just said like make sure the vetting process is a little bit longer before you even start the build with them so you don't get yourself in too deep like if you don't kind of like if you don't think you're going to mesh well like just don't even start the project Mm. and then if they don't like how it's going just like even step away from it and just say i will refund you all your money except for materials because Clearly, this isn't going to work out, and you've already spent the money on materials, so you just lose your money on t- your time money, basically. But then you could always finish up that project and sell it. So I was like, I've I've never gotten to that point. I haven't either. There have been people that I've had that agreed to one thing, and then I've already machined everything, and then once I show them all the machine parts, they change their mind. I'm like, um, <laughs> kind of late. Oh, thanks for that. <laughs> It happens though. Definitely. The other thing is, our. So this is a question that I've been wondering about for a few days. Is are your, you know, YouTube video subscribers customers? And the reason I ask that is because. To me, YouTube could be a marketing tool. So how do you, how do you, I guess, gear your content and stuff towards your customers? Like, how do you figure out what kind of videos they want if they're not responding? Like, if I post a poll in Instagram and say, what kind of YouTube videos do you want to see? And I either get, like, smart-ass answers or no answers at all. So, other than looking at your analytics and what people are viewing the most, how do you, I guess, figure out what your, because to me, they're kind of like customers, because mm-hmm. they're... Yeah, like, how do you figure out your target audience they're consuming and what your, your audience content. wants? Yeah. So, that's something I struggle with, is figuring out what, because I can go make videos of every sign that I make. But I don't think that's what people want to see. Like, more important ones or ones that are doing something new or, in the case of the MWA Woodworks one, I screwed up and have to fix it. Those are things that don't get as many views as, say, like a how-to or a random project. So how do you... I guess I need opinions and feedback on how do you figure out what people want to see besides just looking at analytics and guessing at the content that people want because my how-to content seems to be the most viewed right now hopefully people reach back out to you about that because you know i'm not always on the youtube yeah but it's one of those things like technically they're a customer because they're consuming some of your Mm -hmm. content granted you're doing it for free so part of my YouTube is trying things that I want to try personally and things I've always wanted to kind of play around with. But once I'm done or run out of ideas for that, then what right. do I do? Because we're, because it's like a maker channel, like, you know, like the I like to make stuff style right. where you do projects, you're not going to be like, Oh, giving $10,000 to random Twitch streamers, like these popular videos from, you know, the trending page. It's like, I'm not going to go give 10 grand away for one, because I don't have 10 grand. 
or like you know doing a or making a giant board game in my backyard like that has nothing to do with making so you can't really do that as a video you think will be popular so what do you come up with as a maker that has something interesting enough that people that are not makers would want to see i don't know let's talk about it in the after show let's do that because i'm i'm clueless honestly so if you want to access the after show you can go to patreon.com slash podcast, and the details are there Alrighty. until next time see you in the after show thanks for listening if you're interested in supporting this podcast head to www.makervisionpodcast.com where you can purchase merchandise or donate you'll also be able to join the email list to stay up to date with the podcast find us on instagram at makervisionpodcast or join the facebook group makervision tribe